The Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 to 16 and 20 to 24. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they were scattered on a day of cloud and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thanks be to God for his word. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Most years, over four million people uh, would go to the Vatican City into the Sistine Chapel to admire Michelangelo's uh, incredible work. And part of that is a painting called The Last Judgment, a reflection on our gospel reading for today, the parable of the sheep and the goats. There presented for us is a powerful muscular Christ, sealing the fate of men, women and children in a moment. A reassurance for many that being good is all that matters and that heaven is assured for those who are wonderful Christians. Yet here in what is one of the key passages in the entire Bible, for the first time, we are explicitly presented with a new interpretation of both the nature of God, the divine, but also of the reign of God, of, of God's kingdom. When you do it for the least of one of these, you do it for me. In our reading, there is no real muscular, powerful God being depicted, but rather a God who identifies with the most downtrodden, the victims of our world. In the mid-1990s, uh, the American singer Joan Osborne had a one-hit wonder with the song One of Us. 
If God had a name, what would it be and would you call it to his face? If you were faced with him in all his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? One of the great treasures of European art is the Isenheim altarpiece painted by Matthias Grunewald around about uh, between 10, 1510 and 1515. The altarpiece was originally painted for a hospital chapel uh, in St Anthony's Monastery in Isenheim, about 15 miles south of Colmar in Alsace near the French-German border. St Anthony was, amongst other things, the patron saint of those suffering from skin conditions. The hospital mainly existed for patients of ergotism, uh, popularly known as St Anthony's fire, which the sufferers of it experienced hallucinations, cramps, nausea, skin infection, dry gangrene, and it would also attack the central nervous system, eventually leading to death. Ergotism reached epidemic proportions in medieval Europe and still occasionally surfaces in poorer countries such as in Ethiopia in 2001. The patients of this condition would have been brought into that chapel to see Grunewald's masterpiece for contemplation and solace in their final hours the crucified body, and especially in the depiction of the lamentation where Christ's body is taken down from the cross and his followers are preparing the body to be taken to the tomb. That body shows marks of suffering across his torso, arms and legs. The marks of flagellation and crucifixion eerily resemble the marks of ergotism. To those present in the hospital, dying of their illness, Christ must have appeared to be suffering in the same way as them. How much hope must that image have given to the patients in the monastery, their final moments knowing that Christ was with them, sharing in their sorrow, not abandoned. A God who was in solidarity with those in pain. What if God were one of us? Our Gospel reading demands that we think about our responses to needs around us. But let us also remember that here in this reading there is an intention in what Jesus is saying. He wants to stop us from seeking out the God of power and might and see God in those who are vulnerable, the dispossessed, lonely, scared, homeless and cold. Whilst there remains just one of God's children suffering, then God also suffers. So how do we respond? As we have the slow realisation that we have been walking around with our eyes to the sky, waiting for the second coming of Christ in might and power, only to trip up over the body 
huddled in the shop doorway and discover that Christ was lying in the shivering cold. God is waiting for those who get the idea of the kingdom to respond, just as the victims of this pandemic and of our world are waiting for hope. The story of the sheep and the goats needs to be read as the culmination of the previous 25 chapters of Matthew's Gospel, where he lays out the principles and practice of a whole new way of life, a way of love, a way of discipleship which transforms the meaning and manner of life. Judgment is not formed on the basis of desultory social actions, but on whether the whole of life has been devoted to receiving and giving the transforming love of God. If it has, then the imperative to love one's neighbour as oneself and to pay particular attention to the marginalised will inevitably lead believers to feed the hungry, to offer the thirsty a drink, to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, to care for the sick and visit the imprisoned. They would have done these things, not as a conscious strategy to gain eternal life, but as a natural response to the love and the renewal that they have received. Those who are the goats in the image that Jesus offers to us. They may not have deliberately chosen to ignore God or their neighbour, but they haven't noticed their presence. The great cause of most of the world's suffering is not willfulness, a deliberate malevolence. Most people are not knowingly cruel. Rather, the great challenge comes through indifference, a lack of concern and awareness of the plight of others. Geoffrey Stoddard Kennedy, more commonly known as Woodbine Willie, uh, wrote a poem called Indifference. Stoddard Kennedy had been a chaplain in the trenches of the First World War and had a habit of giving out Woodbine cigarettes to the injured and dying soldiers as he served them. His poem, Indifference, was written after the war, during what was called the Great Disillusion of the 1920s. The British Empire was crumbling, the moral certainty of the Victorian age was eroding, leaving in its place only scepticism, cynicism and materialism. After four years of war, the economy was in tatters, poverty was widespread, except for a few privileged. Kennedy's concern for the situation around him grew in the midst of unemployment and the seeming disregard by the wealthy and religious for the desperate plight of the poor. His poem reads, When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hanged him on a tree. They drove great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns, red were his wounds and deep, for those were crude and cruel days, and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Birmingham, they simply passed him by. 
they would not hurt a hair of him, they only let him die. For we had grown more tender, and we would not give him pain, so we only just passed down the street and left him in the rain. Still Jesus cried, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and still it rained the winter rain that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home and left the streets without a soul to see, and Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. We need to be clear, to be compassionate, it's tough. Because to be compassionate requires us to go with others to the place where they are weak, vulnerable, lonely and broken. But that is not the spontaneous response to suffering. Because by and large what we desire most is for the suffering to go away, or if not, that we will flee from it, or just hope to find a quick cure for it. Much easier just to throw a coin down rather than actually seek to respond fully to the situation. So let us, therefore, challenge our own indifference. During these incredibly difficult times, these times of profound economic uncertainty, let us remember those in frontline agencies who are trying to respond with compassion. Maybe we could help them more. Catching lives, our own excellent charity here in Canterbury, which is putting in arrangements over the coming weeks in the run-up to Christmas to respond to nearly a 100 rough sleepers. Porchlight, continuing its vital work with those who are vulnerably housed across Kent. The Prince of Wales Youth Pub, offering 16,000 packed lunches to hungry children in our own city and has recently started providing over 300 food parcels to the elderly and the isolated. We will be hearing more about their work over the coming weeks in the run-up to what should hopefully be our toy service here at St Peter's. And let us also remember the Umbrella Centre responding to the terrible impact of this crisis on those who are lonely, isolated and suffering with mental illness. The need is all around. We don't have to look very far. Wherever the children of God are suffering, so God is suffering with them. So for all of us, all people of faith, there is just one choice we will always have to make. How do we respond? With compassion or indifference? May God help us to respond as God would have us respond this week and forevermore. Amen.